0: Hello, Valley Real Life. How's everybody doing? Well, it's good to have you here with us today. I want to welcome all of our guests, welcome everybody who's online as well. We're really glad that you're here with us. Uh, My name is Jason. I am one of the elders here at Valley Real Life. I am a coffee-drinking, geeky nerd who loves God, math, and science fiction. Uh, I'm just as likely to say, may the force be with you, as I am to say, may the force be equal to mass times acceleration. And in fact, I have the shirt to prove it. Bonus points to anybody who can decode the math on that. So my family and I, we've been here at Valley Real Life for about 16 years. I am married to a crazy cat lady of a wife who's been wonderful these last 27 years. Uh, We have a son who is a senior at Eastern studying to be an entomologist. Uh, An entomologist, for those that don't know, is someone who doesn't step on bugs as it turns out. So if you're wondering, that's the definition of an entomologist. Uh, Over these past 16 years, I've been a volunteer. uh, I've been a small group leader. I've been on staff a few different times. And as I mentioned, I'm currently an elder right now. And I love seeing what God is doing here at Valley Real Life. And so I'm excited to be with you here right now. I hope you are as well. We've been doing this lesson series called Lessons from the Lake. And the past few weeks have been fantastic. We've had Trevor and Dan and Adam and Tyler all of them have been doing a fantastic job. Although I will say, we seem to struggle with the definition of what a lake is. Uh, we keep talking about seas and things like that. Tonight won't be any different. I'm going to talk about the Mediterranean Sea. So once again, we seem to be lake challenged, but you know, hopefully that's okay. Tonight we're gonna be talking about Jonah, a whale of a tail. I did not come up with that title. Um, And in fact, one of the challenges right now is it's not even one of Jesus's stories. It's not about a lake. um, And in fact, there's no whale. It's just a great fish, but there is water. So, you know, we're still keeping in with the series here. How many of you either here or online are familiar with the story of Jonah? So quick raise of hands. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. Um, The reason that's a problem is because Sunday school felt boards and veggie tales have all conspired to make Jonah, the book of Jonah, seem like it's little more than a children's tale. And it's not. It's so much more. In fact, I honestly believe that it's part of Satan's way of keeping us from hearing a really amazing message that God has to tell us. So tonight, we're going to be looking at Jonah maybe a little differently than you're used to. I want you to reset your expectations and realize that Jonah isn't really the story that you might think it is. In fact, it is absolutely packed with so much content, so much material. I was really concerned about how I was going to fit it all into a three-hour sermon, Uh, but it turns out I don't have to. Uh, What we're going to be doing, uh, one of the things you may not know is that every weekday at 8.30 a.m. Pacific, we do a live Facebook streaming, and what we do is we spend about 10 to 15 minutes in the Word looking at different passages of the Bible and talking through it and what it means in our lives today. So what we're going to do today is, because there's so much content in the book of Jonah, we're actually going to be saving some of that content and going over it later in the week. So I have the privilege of leading that uh, in the next week, starting July 26th. Again, 8.30 a.m. on Facebook. And if you're interested in going a little bit deeper into Jonah, join me then. It's a great way to start the day. And I'll tell you more about it as we go through tonight. But first, who was Jonah. Who is this guy? Well, Jonah was a prophet of God. Now, prophet doesn't mean fortune teller. He wasn't a fortune teller. He was a mouthpiece of God. This is one of the things that we're gonna talk about a little bit more on the Facebook Live event. Um, but the thing that you need to know tonight is Jonah is not a nice guy. He really is not a nice guy at all. He runs away from God. He disobeys God. He only cares about himself. He complains about God's mercy. In fact, he says he'd rather be dead Than actually be with a God who is so merciful. Uh, He does the minimum possible that he can, he endangers the lives of others. He is just not a nice guy. And spoiler alert the book of Jonah is about us. See, the, the author of Jonah, we don't know if it's actually Jonah the prophet that wrote this or a different author, but the author of Jonah leads us down this path where we start thinking, man, this Jonah guy's a loser. And then somewhere along the line, we realize the author's actually pointing the book at us. And we realize, oh, dang, that's me. I don't think I like that. You see, Jonah is a stand-in. The real character of the story is you and I. And that can be kind of hard. What we're going to do is we're going to be looking at some of these flawed personality traits that Jonah has, and we're going to be asking ourselves, do we see any of those personality traits in our lives? So it may not be a totally fun lesson tonight. In fact, I have referred to the book of Jonah as basically being a giant sucker punch by the author. So uplifting message, be excited. Here we go. So starting in Jonah, verse 1, chapter 1, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So Jonah's called, and he goes in completely the opposite direction. In fact, if you look at a map here, you can see instead of going north towards Nineveh, he goes south. Instead of going east towards Nineveh, he ends up going west. He is trying to get as far away from God's calling as he possibly can. Why would he do this? What's the reason for Jonah doing this? Well, a little history might help. Nineveh is really a a centerpiece of the Assyrian Empire. And these people are bad. I mean, bad, really bad, Mad Max bad. I mean, they're just, they're hated enemies of Israel. They are brutal. They are barbarians. They're just terrible people. And Nineveh was at the epicenter of all of this badness. So someone said, well, maybe Jonah was afraid to go to Nineveh. Maybe, that might be a reason, but as we'll see later, it probably isn't the primary reason. The primary reason that Jonah chooses not to go to Nineveh is because he doesn't like them. Israel doesn't like them. He doesn't like them, and he doesn't want to see them saved. He doesn't want to take God's message to them, and we're going to see a little bit more of that in chapter 4. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, so let's keep reading on here. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. So the storm hits, Jonah's asleep, the sailors are freaking out. What's interesting is the sailors actually notice that this is some sort of supernatural storm. These are sailors, they they know what a storm looks like, but they know there's something else going on here, that's why there's all this praying. And they're praying to any god they can think of, and so they, they wake up Jonah. So we continue reading, then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Big surprise. Why is this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. I mean, for real, why? I mean, can, you, can you imagine? I mean, Jonah already told them why he was getting on the boat. Can you imagine him at the dock? Uh, sir, uh, can you tell us uh, your reason for travel? Uh, yes, I'm running away from my God. Okay, I'm going to mark that as other. <laughs> see, here's what we see about Jonah right now. Jonah talks a good talk. He says, I'm a Hebrew. What he's doing right now is he's saying, I'm better than you. Because I'm a Hebrew, I worship the God who created all of this. And he has a great little speech there. But his actions do not line up with his words. They are two completely different directions. His actions are to flee his God, to not do what his God wants, to go against the will of his God. And when asked, what does he say? Well, I'm a Hebrew, I'm better than you. Yeah, so have you ever known a Christian like that? Have you ever known a Christian that... Talk's a good talk, but then maybe has actions in life that are a little bit different. We're going to look at that a little bit more in our Facebook event later in the week. So if we keep reading here, it says, since the storm was getting worse all the time, they, the sailors, asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Then the sailors, picking up a little bit later, then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. These hardened sailors turn to God whom they've only just been introduced to and they start praying and worshiping him. You know who hasn't prayed yet? God's prophet Jonah, Jonah hasn't actually prayed. He, does he pray? No. Does he repent? No. Does he say he's sorry about any of this? No. And another question, why didn't he just jump in? Have you ever thought about that? Jonah says, throw me in and the storm will stop. Jonah, why not just jump in? Wouldn't the storm stop the same way? Instead, he puts his blood potentially on the hands of these sailors. Because by them throwing him in... They have now murdered him. And in fact, when we look at it later in the week, we're going to see that they pray to God and say, please don't keep his blood on our hands. Jonah is selfish. And so he, you know, we, we think maybe it's noble that he tells him to throw him in, but really it's selfish. He's selfish to the end. He's thinking of himself to the end, so much so that he would rather die than go to Nineveh. Because that could have been another thing he told the sailors. Oh, the storm is all my fault. I'm not following my God. Tell you what, let's turn around. Let's go back and I'll go and do what my God said. And hey, everything will be honky dory. That's not what he said. Basically, he's saying, I'd rather be dead than go and do this. The end. (laughs) He's just kidding. No, it's really not the end. Turns out God isn't done with Jonah. We keep reading. It says, then the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So now he's in a fish. Kind of weird. May even seem cruel. It's definitely unusual, a little bit unorthodox. But the interesting thing here is God doesn't let him die. Jonah fully expects to die. God doesn't let him And in fact, this actually brings us to the first flawed personality trait we're going to look at with Jonah that we want to compare ourselves to, which is running from God. That's his first flawed personality trait. So I want you to ask yourself, are there parts of your life where you're running from God? Is God asking you to do something? Are you talking a good talk? but not actually following what God is asking you to do. Maybe he's asking you to reach out to someone. Maybe he's asking you to be part of a ministry. Maybe he's asking you to volunteer. Maybe he's asking you to give more. Maybe he's asking you to do some of these different things and you feel it right here. You feel it inside of you. It's not indigestion. It's the spirit in you prompting you and calling you to do someone. To do something, maybe maybe you're there and you're hoping someone else will do it. You hear the call, but you think, oh, "I'm really hoping someone else will do it." That may have been what Jonah was thinking as well. You know, if I can just get far enough away, maybe God will send a different prophet and I won't have to be the one to talk to these people. Well, here's the thing: if God has decided that it's you He wants to use, then it's you He's going to use. As you can see with Jonah, but but there is good news in this. Even as you look at it, even as you wonder, okay, is that me? The good news is God pursues us. And we see that. We see that in the storm. We see that with the fish, that God pursues Jonah. He's not just letting him go off and letting him do his own thing and ignoring him. God pursues Jonah. God pursues us. Now, it won't always be pretty if he has to pursue us. And there may be storms and there may be some discomfort. But the good news is that God makes a point to pursue us. Well, that brings us to the kind of the second part of our story, which is that Jonah repents. Kind of, mostly, probably, most likely. You know, there's a little bit of debate about this one. Does he actually repent? We are going to cover this a little bit in the Facebook Live event and go into it. But for now, we're going to give Jonah the benefit of the doubt. We're going to say, yes, Jonah is mostly repenting. So he's inside the fish for three days. Okay, that's uh, And he eventually realizes, you know, I'm probably not going to die. You can imagine he, again, wanted to be thrown into the sea to die. So he goes into the sea, he goes under the water, and he figures, okay, that's it. And then a fish swallows him, probably thinking, this is weird. Wasn't expecting that. After a day, still not dead. After two days, still not dead. Probably having a hard time. Now, keep in mind, this isn't like Pinocchio. If you've watched the movie Pinocchio, he's not walking around on a ship contemplating the theological significance of having been swallowed by a fish. No, he's inside and it's dark. Probably doesn't smell nice. It's cramped. I mean, you can imagine it's right up here in your face for three days. Did I mention the smell? Probably doesn't smell nice. Breathing has to be an issue. By day three, he's got to be thirsty. He's got to be hungry. So what does he do at this point? Well, he composes poetry, of course. I mean, isn't that what all of you would do if you were in a fish for three days? You'd start composing poetry? It's what I would do. So he composes this prayer, this, this psalm of thanksgiving. And we're gonna get into the details of that, again, in this Facebook Live event that we're gonna do. But for now, just know that he prays but there are some oddities in his prayer. So the first question you got to ask is, why did it take him three days? On day one and two, was he still kind of hoping that he'd die? I mean, what was he doing? Just kind of lying there saying, why am I not dead yet? But by day three, he kind of comes around and realizes, okay, I'm not going to die. If you look at the prayer, the prayer is mostly about him. It's very interesting. It's, if you compare it to a lot of the other Psalms in the Old Testament, this one is mostly about him. And then there's what it doesn't include. He doesn't mention any confession of sin. He doesn't actually seek any form of forgiveness. In fact, he actually says, "God, you threw me into the sea." No, Jonah, I'm pretty sure it was the sailors that threw you into the sea when you told them to because you wanted to die. So it's strange. It's he does say that it's an earnest prayer, so he's got that, but we are left wondering, does Jonah truly repent? does he actually have a change of heart? That actually brings us to the second flawed personality trait is weak repentance. Jonah probably repents, but the sincerity is brought into question because repenting means making a life change. It means changing direction. It's more than just saying, God, please forgive me for having done this thing. It's actually changing our actions. It's has action associated with it, movement associated with it. It is a heart change. And one of the things we don't see with Jonah in this is a heart change. And in fact, as we get into the book, we'll see that Jonah absolutely doesn't have a heart change. And so we have to look at ourselves now and say, is weak repentance something that we struggle with? Is it something that you can relate to? Do you repent of a sin only to repeat the sin again and then repent again and ask for forgiveness again and go around and around and around in circles. So let me ask you, what are you doing to change that? Hoping for change, hoping that we will change isn't enough. We have to have action And so repentance is all about that action. It's about getting into a life group. It's about sharing your life with another Christian. It's about having somebody that you can be accountable to. It's about surrounding yourself with Christians. If you want to see a change of heart, if you want to see a life change, then there is action that you have to do. The good news here, though, is that we have Christ. Christ died for us For each of us individually, if you were the only person who ever sinned, Christ would have still come and died for you. And he still would have died for all the sins that you would commit because Christ loved us that much. So should we go on sinning? Of course not. That's not a sign of a changed heart, but we can take comfort knowing that it's Christ's blood that covers us, that covers every sin that we would commit. Well, that brings us to the third part of the story, which is the world's worst sermon and the world's greatest response. So let's, let's take a look at this in here. So Jonah, he's in the fish, he prays, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I love that. It's just the visual, you can just see it. I mean, it's just, you know, in fact, I actually have a before and after shot of Jonah before the whale and after the whale. So there's just lots of hurling in the book of Jonah. God hurls a storm at, at him. The sailors hurl him into the sea. The fish hurls him onto the, onto the dry land. The, the book of Jonah, it's just the, the literary side of it is amazing. So let, let's keep reading though. I'll get sidetracked. Uh, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. All right, Jonah obeys. Hooray. But does he really? uh, Kinda? Yeah. I mean, he, he does the actions, but he still doesn't like these people. He still wants to see them destroyed. In fact, here's his entire message to the people of Nineveh. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That's his sermon. It's eight words in English. It's five words in Hebrew. I will tell you, I am incapable of doing a sermon that's only five words long. Just for the record, in case you were hoping, not going to happen. So we keep going. It says, the people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. They repented. The people believed the word of God, which is interesting because Jonah's sermon never actually mentions God. I don't know if you caught that or not, but it doesn't actually mention God. And yet they repented. In fact, it says that everyone repented, the greatest, the least, the king, actually the cattle. It actually says the cattle repented. I don't know what sin the cattle committed, but apparently even the cattle repented. And it says that when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. That is cool. We have a great God who is so merciful and that is such a great thing to see. So how does Jonah respond to this? This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry In fact, if you look at the Hebrew, it actually says that Jonah saw this as being evil. He saw God's grace and mercy as being something evil. And he is angry and he lets God have it. So Jonah complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love, eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. (laughs) I mean, really? (laughs) Really, Jonah, is this, what is he, two? (laughs) Or maybe a teenager? I know I'm reading a lot of tone into this. But it's justified, and we'll get into this in the Facebook live event as well, but the tone is justified because Jonah does not have a change of heart. Jonah placed limits on God's grace, and he didn't believe that God's grace should extend to these people. So how did God respond to Jonah? The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? See, God is patient with Jonah, just like he was patient with Nineveh, just like he is patient with each of us? Well, Jonah doesn't answer. He's busy pouting. So he builds a shelter uh, to see what would happen because he wants to watch the city burn. So God brings a plant and the plant provides some shade and Jonah is really happy. And then God brings a worm and the worm eats through the plant and the shade falls down and Jonah's really sad. And then God brings Spokane weather to Jonah in the form of heat and the sun bearing down and miserableness, and Jonah doesn't like it. In fact, Jonah says that he would rather be dead. He says this a lot. Um, So what's God's response this time? I will tell you, if it was me, I'd be like, sure, okay, whatever. Yeah, here you go. (laughs) You can be dead. That's not God's response. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. (laughs) Oh my goodness, this guy's a drama queen. (laughs) How does God respond? He continues to show patience towards this man-child. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the cattle. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And just like that, the book ends. You may not be satisfied with that ending. It ends with a question, God asking a question. You might be wondering, well, what happens to Jonah? What happens to Nineveh? Do the other prophets make fun of Jonah when he gets home and he hasn't you know, managed to get the you know, Nineveh smited off the planet? Well, here's the thing. It's okay that the story ends this way because the story, again, is not about Jonah. The story is about us. And so we get to write the ending of the story of Jonah. We get to answer God's question about is it right for us to be angry? And this brings up the third flawed personality trait, a lack of grace. Ask yourself this question. Who are you unwilling to go to? You see, God's grace and mercy is for everyone Even the people we don't like, that we don't get along with. So ask yourself this question. Who are your Ninevites? Are they maybe Democrats? Republicans? People who support the NRA? People who want to see more gun laws? People in the LGBTQ community? Educators? People who are putting in laws that you don't like? People who watch CNN, people who watch Fox News. Who are your Ninevites? I want you to think about that for a second. Who is it that you are unwilling to talk to? Who is it that you are unwilling to go to because they don't deserve God's mercy because they are too different? Now think about that, get that in your mind. Now listen to what Jesus has to say. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, "'Therefore, go and make disciples.'" of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I looked it up, all means all. It means everyone. And today's culture says, but it's all about me. It's all about my issue, my cause, my hurt, my shade, my plant, my whatever. Our culture today says it's all about me and God is telling us that is not how it works and that is the point of the book of Jonah, God was trying to explain to the nation of Israel that even though they were his chosen people, what God is saying is my mercy goes even to the people you don't like. So ask yourself, is it right for you to be angry? Do you have any Ninevites in your life? Who's that person that you can't stand to be around? That person you've been avoiding, maybe hoping someone else would reach out to them. I'm gonna encourage you, stop running. Find a way to bless that person. It might only be a hello. It might only be something, just a kind word. But whatever it is, find a way to demonstrate God's grace even to that person that you don't like. Because you see, God wants us to avoid Jonah's flawed personality traits, the running from God, the weak repentance, the lack of grace. These are not traits that reflect Christ. Instead, God wants us to have different traits. He wants us to answer his call, to truly turn from sin and to extend the grace of Christ to everyone around us. Now, I know this is a hard lesson for some of us. I hope by now you see, Jonah is not a children's story. It's a distraction to call it a children's story. It doesn't necessarily leave us feeling good, knowing we have work to do, knowing that we have these blind spots and facing our Ninevites. And some of us might be thinking, well, gosh, If a prophet of God can't do it, who am I to be able to do such a thing? Well, the good news is that we have something that Jonah didn't have. We have Christ living inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, guiding us, directing us, and helping us. We have hope because we have Christ living within us. And as Tyler told us last week, Jesus makes the impossible possible. So I wanna encourage you, listen to the spirit of God inside of you. He's calling to you. Listen to him. him, Don't make him have to go after you. Go willingly and share in the story of God's grace for others. Let's pray. God, I just wanna thank you for our time together tonight. I just thank you so much for God, for the patience that you show each and every one of us. God, I pray that you would show us who our Ninevites are. I pray that your spirit would prompt us and I pray that it would give us changed hearts. Father, just put upon us, impress upon us the need for extending your grace to other people. And God, I just pray that you would give us your eyes to see and love others the way you do. God, I ask that you pursue us when we run from you. Thank you, God, for your patience in all of us. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.